Welcome to episode number 196 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman. I am an industry analyst and host of CXO Talk. Each week, and actually sometimes more than once a week, sometimes twice, sometimes three times a week, CXO Talk brings to you conversations with the most interesting and innovative senior executives in the world. And we talk about leadership, we talk about technology, and the impact on the enterprise. And today I'm so thrilled to talk with Rudiger Schmidt, who is the Chief Information Officer of Banco Sabade, which is one of the largest banks in Spain. And it's a company that was founded in the late 1800s, around 1881, that time frame. And so you can imagine now digital transformation, it has completely transformed its business. And so we're going to hear a very interesting story today. Rudiger, Rudiger Schmidt, thank you so much for being with us. Hi. Very happy to, to be with you again. And, uh, and you're right now just outside Barcelona in your office. That's true. I'm here in the office at this time quite alone. Uh, uh, so I'm much closer to the weekend than you are <laughs> in Europe. So, so it's about 7 p.m. And we met first last uh, spring when we did this kind of conversation live on stage in Madrid. And so it's, it's great to see you again. And so, Rudiger, please tell us about your role and tell us about Banco Sabadell. Sure. So uh, I joined Banco Sabadell uh, July last year. So quite new here after working 18 years in several management positions uh, in, in, in Deutsche Bank in IT. And uh, I'm the global CIO. I'm uh, responsible for all IT development, IT strategy, uh, infrastructure uh, for, for the group. Banco Sabadei started as a very uh, tiny bank uh, supporting local industry in the city of Sabadei. That's where the name comes from. And uh, for a long period of time, it only had one branch in Sabadei. But then it started slowly to grow, always focused on, uh, on business banking. Um, and then in the late 90s, 2000 on, it started an incredible growth race. Um, uh, Bank Sabadei has integrated... 12 banks in the meantime, and with that uh, mergers, it became the fourth largest bank in Spain. Um, if I look at the integrations, the first two took around 24 months. The last three integrations, technical integrations of a bank, that means starting a project to take over all IT and, uh, and, and data, uh, took five months. So Bank Sabadei was a real integration machine and uh, profited from the uh, crisis in Spain. So it was one of the few banks surviving and becoming stronger after the crisis. And that uh, 
made us the fourth largest bank in Spain. The next step then coming from, so it was a local bank, then it was a regional bank, it became a national bank. And the next logical step was to become an international bank. Uh, and that happened uh, with two steps. So on one side, we we started a Greenfield Bank in, in Mexico, which uh, went live successfully early this year. Uh, and we acquired TSB Bank uh, from, from Lloyd's in, in, in the UK and are in the middle of the integration uh, process. So in, in numbers, uh, Sabaday in Spain has roughly 6.5 million customers. In the UK, more than 4 million customers. So, so around 11 million customers. In Spain, we have 2,300 branches more than 600 in the UK and overall more than 20,000 employees. When I was in Madrid, I was struck by how many branches there are. Banco Sabadell has, has branches everywhere you look. Now, when you think about digital transformation, what does that actually mean in practical terms for an organization like Banco Sabadell? Okay, uh, first of all, uh, it's not just a digital transformation. It's a transformation of the whole bank and digital is one important piece. But in fact, we talk about transforming the bank and not just doing a digital transformation. And the, the branch network is a very important part of, of that uh, transformation. Um, uh, first of all, let's have a look at why or what is happening, why we are uh, transforming, what is happening out there. There is, of course, a digital revolution. And uh, it is now when a client comes with his, uh, his or her mobile device into the bank, it has probably more CPU in the hand than the computers which uh, we, we have there uh, on the desks. Um, uh, there, and, and there is this cloud uh, in nearly uh, network bandwidth unlimited, uh, which make it very easy for, 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 for uh, newcomers to, to get into that business. So digital is, is a big trend, but, but there are others. There is the um, uh, low interest situation uh, of the bank. So margins are shrinking for banks. Uh, we do not make money with certain traditional businesses. So uh, it's a paradox that... Uh, uh, we don't like that clients bring us deposits because we don't need any funding uh, because uh, central banks give it for free. And if we want to put deposits there, we even have to pay for it. Uh, and it looks like that this will take longer. So the, the whole business model is uh, uh, is shaking. And then, of course, the whole regulatory uh, um, uh, requirements uh, haven't haven't stopped so we still are facing new regulations uh, MIFID 2 IFRS 9 uh, uh, PSD 2 and, and and you name it 
So these are the three big factors which uh, uh, make us think how to uh, transform the bank. And if in the past a bank was uh, made money with its balance sheet, at the end nowadays we have to uh, think about new ways to 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 make money. And uh, our CEO best described it just this week on on a conference. He said we have to transform our clients from balance sheet consumers to platform users. And that is what it's uh, what it's all about. The bank has to become a platform. And uh, while we keep our, our business and being the servicer for, for, for a lot of uh, transactional business and for the money, we have to become a platform for much more in, in, in order to, to be able to, to, to grow and be profitable in, in the future. That's, that's really interesting. So that, that term platform in the technology world is kind of loaded because it means the place where you come to have all of your, your technology needs met. And so when you talk about a platform for, of the, the, the bank being a platform, what do you mean by that? Okay. Um, again, going a bit back in, in history, uh, uh, when somebody talks about bank and platform, you think first about a core banking platform. And a lot of banks are struggling with, with their core banking platforms uh, because they missed the point to, to renovate them, uh, uh, which has two impacts. The first impact is that the re regulatory requirements are very difficult uh, to be met because you don't get the data uh, out of the systems you need for the regulator. And the second thing is that uh, the systems are not real-time, they, 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 they are not transactional enough, they are not uh, service-oriented in order to be the backbone for a digital bank. Uh, bank Sabadei was lucky that in the early 2000s, before the banking crisis, uh, uh, they did a complete overhaul of the core banking system. So we are in the good position that we have a very stable, robust, 24 by 7, real-time core banking system, which is our banking platform behind that. Then we developed our digital platform, and we are, we are continuing to de develop it. We are, it's called Proteo, and we are now at Proteo 4, uh, where we build that layer on which we want uh, to, to create our services to publish them to the outside world. Uh, we, our ambition is to do it a bit like Amazon. Every service we build should be built in a way that we can use it also for third parties. We are not that. Uh, not there yet, but uh, uh, working uh, on, on, on that one. And uh, it's, it all moves into ecosystems in, in both directions. So we will open our interfaces that others can use our bank as a service. For example, we have a, an ERP uh, provider here in Spain who is directly linking uh, the ERP system with, uh, with our core banking system, of course, always when, when the client gives the, uh, the authorization. Uh, but we also want to look in whether we 
in our banking offering, in our secure environment, could sell things uh, or give services which are not directly related to, to our banking offering. So when you think about the, the bank and what the bank does, it's no longer just about people coming in and depositing money. You're providing all of these different services and they all rest and they're resting on top of this technology platform that you've built. Is that a correct way of saying it? That is true, yes. And uh, we are still evolving the platform. Uh, the thing is, if you started very early on giving that uh, that services and we were always spearheading uh, these technology things, uh, at a certain point, uh, your, your digital platform also becomes a legacy and you have to evolve it. So we have a lot of digital services now more than 10 years old and, and, and we need to renovate them them again. So, so you are, so there's this very close tie between the technology that you're building and the most fundamental strategic goals of the bank from a, from a business standpoint, it sounds like. Yes, that is true. That is uh, maybe also the, uh, the, the good thing of coming from the history of the bank that it was quite a small bank, very aligned, always aligned on, on very strategic goals, whether it was the 12 uh, uh, integrations of other banks, which was always a huge project where the whole bank was involved, or weathering the storm of the big banking crisis. It, it, it aligned a lot uh, uh, the company. So Bank Sabadei never had the time to create silos neither technology nor, nor on the business side. And that is uh, something we have to preserve. And it helps us now a lot in the digital transformation that we work hand in hand with, uh, with all businesses. When you, when you say you never had the time to create silos, silos are, are one of the real challenges that companies have, especially a company that's, that's you know, over 125 years old, 130 years old. How, when you say you didn't have the time to create silos, can you elaborate on that and maybe explain how you're different or why, let me say that, why you're different in this respect given uh, relative to probably most of your competitors that are very heavily silo-oriented? Yeah, I, I think, uh, first of all, it's a tone from the top. So that, that the senior management of the bank just does not allow any any silo building, and uh, there's a clear focus on the strategic goals of the bank. The bank always operates on a three-year strategic plan, which aligns all businesses and infrastructure functions. Um, secondly, uh, certain functions in the bank were never aligned to to, to business, but kept central. For ex give you one example in, in this, uh, the whole data structure. So all our data, the, the creation, the processing and output of data, data warehouses are central and we are always talk about bank data. We never allowed that different areas like finance, risk, uh, marketing have their own uh, data models, uh, data warehouses, and then at the end you, you have trouble to bring them together where we see a lot of banks failing now 
uh, responding to uh, regulatory requirements because they just don't get the data together or they, 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 they do not match. And uh, so there was always a very clear strategy that data is an asset of the corporation and never of, of a, a single area, uh, which, which gives us now a, a strategic benefit. And the rest is uh, level of collaboration uh, um, among the areas in, in the bank. So it's a comp- so you have a strategic mandate from the top to do this, and then you have set up systems so that the so that you, you are you have a, a view of the the data that crosses the silos, and then you have a culture that respects the need to be cross silo and that emphasizes that need to be cross silo is that am I, do I, is, are those the pieces do i have that correct perfect summary of what i said yeah so so now you've got these technology systems that the platform as you term it that enables you to offer services to customers. Can you give us an example of the kind of services that you provide to customers that rely on this platform and why the platform makes it possible to deliver these services in a better way than your competitors? Okay, so just recently, this uh, Monday, we, we launched our new wallet uh, uh, application where we uh, have the classic wallet function of the bank with credit cards and we added to that uh, the new instant payment platform which is an inst- industry platform in, in Spain for, for instant payment person to person. We in- integrated that immediately into our wallet platform and into our uh, uh, digital capabilities like uh, uh, electronic signature, fingerprint lock-on. So we were able to launch on time with added functionality. And uh, we have seen after a few days that uh, the percentage of adoption to that new service of instant payments via mobile um, uh, overall in the Spanish banks is higher than our market share uh, in retail banking. That means, uh, we have higher adoption among our clients to the new service and than, than any other bank, uh, in, 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 in Spain. And that was possible by, uh, uh, by combining this new functionality with existing services and, and our architecture to, to build that, uh, new app. So this technology architecture is truly a strategic advantage. It's the strategic, it's more than a strategic advantage. It sounds like the technology platform is the thing that enables you to be responsive, to be agile, to offer new products and services electronically very quickly to your, to your customers. That is true. So uh, we, we, we have a, a platform which is, uh, is very well architectures from a service point of view, but but also from business services behind about uh, electronic documents to, uh, which you can uh, sign electronically and present uh, electronically. Uh, uh, a real multi-channel architecture, although I don't like that much the, the word multi-channel, 
uh, as you know, um, uh, which uh, helps us to 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 be very quick in 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 uh, in deploying any service to to any channel, and even deploying services to third parties with like with our open API. We have uh, several questions coming in from Twitter, and let me respond to. Uh, let me ask uh, Arsalan Khan's question first, and let me just say uh, Shelly Lucas is asking about blockchain. And uh, Shelly, we're going to be talking about blockchain next, but I want to come. But I want to stick with Arsalan's question, who says, "What happens when three-year strategic plans and business models become obsolete due to technology and workforce adva- advancements?" It's very easy. You have to adapt. So uh, a, a three-year plan gives you a strategic guidance on where the bank uh, wants to be. But uh, whenever there is a change in the evi- environment, you have to be very quickly and uh, uh, and change and adapt to that plan. You see, a strategic plan like the last one was uh, was the goal to go international. Give you an example, which meant uh, and, and 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 the goal behind was that a certain percentage of our our business volume will come from from revenues outside Spain to be uh, uh, more independent from economic cycles in in just one country, uh, uh, and that is the goal of the strategic plan. So now you you have to apply that. And uh, for example, TSB. Uh, the acquisition of UK was not even known. The, the, the possibility was not even known when this three-year uh, plan was was started. But it was an opportunity during that period uh, which we uh, which we took, and that is true for 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 any change and also uh, technology change. Uh, we will just adapt. We are not a slave. To our plan, it gives us guidance to to where the bank strategically wants to go. And but before we again jump into fintech and blockchain and open APIs, and there's a whole bunch of things that that, that we have to talk about. You say you're not a slave to the plan, and I keep coming back to this. You're a 130 year old organization, and how does a 130 year old organization create a culture where you can adapt and embrace change the way you have. There are much younger organizations that have endless struggle with this. What makes, what is, how do you do it? Well, I I think it's a a permanent challenge. Never be complacent with the status quo. Uh, uh, and, and that is true for all areas. So we are leading in cost-income ratio uh, in within uh, the Spanish banking sector, with roughly 50% cost-income ratio. Uh, uh, that doesn't uh, make us complacent, and we say, yeah, we're any of the best. We have very strict uh, uh, plans to reduce our costs, to do cost reduction programs. As, as one example, so never be complacent with what you have. You always have to uh, try to be become better. We, we we have clear plans to to be leading uh, in client sector satisfaction, in net promoter score, in all sectors we are working, and we're measuring against that. So you always have to set the the the, the goal higher, 
uh, and, and keep on moving, never be complacent. That's what we do. So, so you mentioned your goal is to have very high net promoter score. And so let's now talk about the relationships to the outside world. And I know that you have invested very heavily in things like APIs, social media, mobile, big data. So tell us about, tell us about that. Okay. Um, open API is, is an interesting thing. We, uh, we were the first bank in Spain, uh, uh, which organized a hackathon. Uh, it was very successful. A lot of ideas uh, uh, came came out of that. But we needed uh, something, and it was in the first time experimental uh, in that hackathon against uh, the programmers could uh, uh, develop their, their ideas. And so we had first a, a mock-up for, for, a, uh, for the open API, and then we saw, well, there are very interesting things in, uh, coming out and maybe we should have an uh, open, open API. And so we developed standard open API uh, for uh, classic account balance, uh, transaction inquiry, uh, money transfer. Uh, and uh, what we've seen is that on one side there are, we have currently more than 20 uh, uh, startups, but, but, but also uh, SMEs uh, who are in the process of adapting to that API and using that API. In the beginning, I told you about this ERP system in the cloud, which is connected to that. Um, but on the other side, what we have seen, the open API is not only interesting for the outside world, uh, in our innovation labs, for example, we we uh, we started experimenting with a tangible bank hardware device for clients uh, uh, in uh, in the client's home. Uh, that means for our own product, we saw well the easiest way to to build that and to integrate is using the Open API. So suddenly, the Open API becomes an enabler for internal project because it's much easier, much standardized to, to, uh, to use that. And um, uh, that is very interesting. And now this open API will enable us very quickly if, uh, for example, one day things like Amazon Echo are translated to Spanish and uh, will be available in, in, in Spain, it would for us be very easy to, to, to integrate a thing like Amazon Echo or, or similar devices to, um, to our core systems. Um, uh, in Europe, we have a, a, um, a new regulation, uh, the Payment Service Directive 2 coming up, uh, early 2018 uh, will be the date, where banks will be obliged to open APIs for third parties. Uh, and that is the same way where, first of all, uh, we already have it. We have to adapt to these standard interfaces, but we know how to do it. We have to adapt it. But even the more important thing is, for, for us, it's much more than a regulation. It's an opportunity not only to open our API to, 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 to other banks, to fintechs, to integrate it, 
but we can start thinking about uh, using our services against the backends of, of other banks and, and give services to clients even when they have uh, the account in, in, in other banks, for example, with the, with the uh, advantage of, uh, of being already able to work with such open APIs. Uh, social media, we, we started very early to have a, a 24 by 7 active social media team always scanning what's happening uh, uh, around the world. So if there might be a system outage and, and there's noise on social media, they will contact immediately uh, people. There were uh, discussions about uh, some poly local uh, opinion makers uh, uh, were talking, uh, criticizing banks' uh, uh, strategy and statement uh, where, where then our, our chief economist contacted them over social media and said, let, let me explain what, what is behind and, and how that works. And after that, this very popular uh, guy tweeted, well, politically, I still have a different opinion, but thanks, Bank Sabadei, you explained me a lot of things which I didn't, didn't know before. Uh, another very nice anecdote on, on, the, on the social media is that our team picked up once uh, a message from a taxi driver in Madrid uh, who was tweeting and complaining about the service of his bank, which was not Bank Sabadei, because he was waiting for his uh, POS device for the CAT uh, terminal for more than three months. Our social media team located this guy check the, the next branch uh, uh, and check whether they would be able to to uh, uh, to give him a, a POS device and open account with him quickly. So they did it. Uh, we we found that branch and they, they answered, "Look, go to that branch, open an account with us, and you will will get a POS device immediately." Which was good. We we had a new uh, client. Um, uh, but then, as this guy was very active on, on, on social media, he tweeted around the world how great this experience was, and he never expected that that could help. Today, we have more than 40% of market share of POS devices uh, in taxis in, in, in Spain. Uh, so... Uh, if somebody says you cannot make money with uh, social media, we have proven that uh, there are ways to do it, but you have to do it very good. And I on, want. Oh, I'm sorry. I just interrupted you. I'm sorry. Yeah, on the on the big data piece, of course, we are we are doing what what everybody is doing uh, uh, using advanced analytics, predictive analytics, pattern. Uh, uh, analytics combining uh, our standard transactional data with data from the outside, behavioral data from from the internet. Um, but last year we we said we have to do more. We have to build products and services around our data. And um, um, together with our innovation team, uh, we we developed an idea. Uh, the system is called Kelvin. Um, the name comes from Lord Kelvin, uh, uh, 
who said one time, "What you cannot, uh, uh, you cannot improve what you cannot measure." Uh, and we use data from our more than 250,000 POS devices we we have with clients in in Spain, and analyze that data, uh, and give services to 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 our clients to store. So. Uh, a client of, of Bank Sabadei with his POS device gets a web page where he can check what is the medium-sized ticket of people who, who are buying in my shop. Uh, what is the medium-sized ticket of all my competitors around? Of course, anonymized, but, but, uh, uh, but always very focused on, on the business he's running. Uh, what how uh, how sticky are my, my clients? Uh, do they shop around or they only buy with me? So we can tell you 80% of your clients are only buying shoes with you and only 20 are shop, shopping around. If it's the other way around, maybe he, he should do a, a loyalty program with clients. So we measure client loyalty because we can tell him if his clients uh, are buying uh, elsewhere, we can tell at what time which type of client is buying. We are telling always anonymized but statistic data. What is the average salary of the clients they, uh, who are which are buying who are buying in in a shop and compared with the average salary and or average age of clients uh, shopping uh, uh, at his competitors. So. Uh, extremely useful information nobody else can give give that data fully respecting uh, data privacy and security but extremely valuable uh, uh, for for the the, the the retail stores and we have several examples where we won uh, uh, retail stores uh, even chains who said well we take banks of a day because nobody else can give us that service so I want to just point out to the people that are watching that Banco Sabade, when you use social media, it's not just to give pat standard answers, but it's actually to interact with your customers and give them genuine support. And you mentioned that your, your chief economist has responded to over Twitter to explain what the bank is doing. So I just want to point that out to the people listening. I think this is a very important point. Yes, you're right. Now, what about uh, FinServe startups and blockchain? What is your view on that? What are you doing with startups? How do you see blockchain? Is it, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, let's start with the, with the FinTech world. Um, I see, um, Two types of of, uh, of fintechs. Uh, one one type which says, "Well, I do a better retail bank than than the other banks do. I have nicer uh, uh, front ends, and, and 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 that is true. Uh, they can can build new stuff, very fancy things uh, around that, and give standard retail services. The problem here." And if I would have put a lot of money in that kind of fintechs, I would be worried that with that business, you don't make any money today. I explained it in the beginning uh, that 
having a lot of money of clients uh, uh, in your current accounts or in your deposit uh, costs you money today. On top, you give them debit cards, a ATM access, and, and so So I'm thinking about what is the business model behind, and that's uh, um, that effect. There are other fintechs, very interesting, which go much more vertical, which pick one product, one value change. Uh, you look transfer-wise for, for, uh, for money transfers across country, can talks on, 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 on FX products, which I believe are very interesting because they take one product vertically front to back and disrupt the, 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 the existing model. Uh, and uh, that it's always clear whether that works or not, but, but that is very interesting. And, um, we uh, we work with fintechs. Uh, I'm not believer and supporter in in uh, investing a lot of millions like other banks did in uh, in in this uh, uh, new core banks uh, uh, because of of uh, lack of um, sustainable business model from my point of view. Uh, I rather look for fintechs. Uh, uh, who are who can be good providers of technology and help us improving our services to our clients, and we are happy to work with them. We are happy to be client of that fintechs in order to to uh, provide better services uh, to 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 our clients. On blockchain, I uh, well, of course, we are not a, the size of bank who is changing uh, the rules of the game and uh, putting blockchain as as uh, to to substitute swift with with blockchain uh, things like that uh, but we see a lot of potential there's still a lot of questions the maturity of blockchain is quite low i don't think that it currently could support uh, very large uh, uh, amounts of uh, so what we do in 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 in, in transactions. Uh, one thing which which doesn't work in blockchain is real time. It is by definition not real time, so certain transaction will not work. Uh, nevertheless, it has a huge potential uh, uh, to substitute all all businesses or, or to disrupt all businesses where you have a trusted third party somehow in between which can be all the custody business, which can be trade finance business, for example, together with smart contracts uh, that can be very disrupting. So low maturity, but very high impact uh, uh, if, if that will work. We are experimenting with blockchain as well. Uh, we are, for example, looking uh, whether we... we can use blockchain to build kind of escrow accounts for the uh, collaborative economy because there you always have two parties, uh, uh, P2P, who have to trust each other and there has to go some money. Uh, usually you do that with escrow accounts when you do that in large business. Maybe blockchain gives us the possibility to do that uh, for, for very small amounts, uh, in, in, in that uh, collaborative image. So we are looking at that. We are collaborating 
uh, with other banks and definitely uh, very high on our radar. So, uh, so with startups, you fintech startups, you said that you you prefer to partner with startups that can provide services or benefits to the bank as opposed to invest because you're you're very focused on on them the partner the startup having a sustainable business model that is true yes and with uh with blockchain given the limitations that you described why do you think is there is there so much excitement and noise around blockchain given given what you were just talking about it's just uh, what I said, the, the potential. If I, uh, maybe it's visionary, but saying that in the future there will be no custody business and a share of a company will no longer be held in a custody account by a bank and uh, you don't have all that settlement and uh, uh, clearing around, but it's a, a share of a company is just a smart contract in the blockchain. And any corporate event like a dividend payment is an event in that smart contract, which again then automatically uh, creates a payment uh, from that smart contract via the blockchain to to the the, the, the shareholder. Uh, if you imagine that, if you imagine in trade finance, uh, if you know how much paperwork is around there, and uh, again all this trust thing, so. Uh, are the goods which are ordered abroad, are they really uh, coming uh, or not? Imagine, and that goes uh, to Internet of Things, uh, that a container arrives here in, in the harbor of Barcelona and, 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 and the, the, the chip in, in the container tells a smart contract of the trade finance. I'm here in Barcelona. You can now pay uh, the money where today a lot of paperwork is is around the uh, the impact can can be be huge of uh, of really revolutioning uh, certain uh, business area. and and there are a lot more uh, in all the interbanking uh, uh, settlement clearing uh, what whatever there, there is a huge potential again we are not the ones uh, in the size who who will do that moves but Definitely, we will uh, uh, follow very, very closely and look for blockchain uh, for innovative products uh, like I uh, explained before uh, to use that technology uh, for our purposes and for our clients. So, the, uh, so blockchain needs to be fit, fit to the appropriate task or activity. We, we have uh, very little time, but we have a question from uh, Eric... Uh, Eric Jonker, who I hope I pronounced your name correctly, who asks from a technology point of view, he thinks blockchain is mature enough. So is your concern with the technology or with the application of that technology in banking products and services? I think blockchain as an algorithm uh, is mature, no doubt. Uh, but there are a lot of questions to be, be answered. Uh, regulators nowadays, if there is a, a custodian or a clearing interface, they can easily uh, uh, inquire data and control. So regulators in financial services have a lot of concerns about 
their ability to control when things are happening in the blockchain. These, these are questions uh, which have to be answered. Um, there is another study. I don't know whether that is true or whatever, but uh, uh, you have to think about uh, if international payment would run over, all international payment would run all over blockchain. Somebody did a calculation. There is not enough energy on earth to to run all the blockchain nodes which would be necessary to, to support that. I, I cannot prove that, but uh, large scale uh, we, we we still have to uh, we still have to to uh, to check so it it will come but it will take some time and uh, we we have to resolve uh, certain problems still. and we have just about one minute left and so briefly can you tell us about the future what are your future plans where are where are you going well, definitely, uh, the bank has uh, uh, very big challenges ahead. We are still integrating uh, 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 5 million customer bank in, in UK and preparing the platform. That is a very big goal for, for next year. Uh, uh, we are improving our digital capabilities here in, in, in Spain. Um, uh, in order to to give more services, much more client oriented, much more coming from the user, much less bank products uh, you see in our in in our apps, but rather uh, uh, use cases of, of of users. So, like an example, I want to pay, and uh, uh, given the situation where I'm paying, maybe I I need a credit card. I I do an instant payment or whatsoever. Uh, so I put the situation first and then analyze what is the best product uh, the client can use to pay instead of always putting the bank product. Please select your credit card uh, uh, or whatever in, in the front. So that is one big transformation we, we still want to do. And then, of course, uh, uh, we have our uh, uh, international uh, expansion plans. Uh, we launched successfully the, the business banking in Mexico. We are now analyzing whether we can use our capabilities to also uh, start retail banking in, in Mexico. Okay. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion that's gone by very quickly. We have been talking with Rudiger Schmidt, who is the chief information officer for Banco Sabade, which is the fourth largest bank in Spain. And what a fascinating conversation about the role of the platform and the, the coming together of the business and technology in retail banking and all of the exciting things that you're doing with technology. Rudiger Schmidt, thank you so much for joining us and taking time to be on episode number 196 of CXO Talk today. Thanks. It was a pleasure, Michael. And I hope you tune in next time. Uh, catch the schedule at cxotalk.com slash episodes, and we will see you again very, very soon.